Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Show Business Edition. This is Seth Green here today with Lee Stobie of Lee Stobie Entertainment. He is a producer, a literary manager, and the principal of Lee Stobie Entertainment. Over a decade of management and production experience. Some of his client highlights include John Wick 3 and 4. Um, he's got Revolver, Stranger Things, Bubbles, Room 237. His producing credits include Sister I Me, which premiered at the 2019 Sundance Film Festival, and Wildling, starring Liv Tyler, premiered at South by Southwest. Um, he's got all kinds of production deals. Lee, thank you so much for joining us. Hello, nice to meet you, and uh, thank you for having me. Um, our pleasure. Let's go back in time a little bit. How did you get started in show business? <laughs> um, well, as a gay boy that was born in Ohio and then moving to the middle of nowhere in Michigan, uh, a lot of my uh, thoughts and processes through my early teens was how the fuck do I get out of this place? And I was about 45 minutes into watching Lord of the Rings in 2001. And I was like, this is it. This is how I'm going to do it. Movies. This experience, what this is doing, the emotions, the feelings, how powerful this is for me. This is what I need to spend my life doing is trying to do this and then share this kind of experience with somebody else. So then that kind of unlocked an entire kind of world to me. And I at least spent pretty much the rest of my teenage years just watching movies nonstop. Like I literally watched like a 2000 movies over the next like three years. I was watching like 10, like I watched like 28 movies in one weekend. I literally was just like all day watching movies, studying movies, thinking about movies, every paper I ever wrote in school, every single, every thought, every, every single thing was related to movies and how they work and the business of show business and everything about it, right? And then I'd never been to LA, never even read, I mean, I'd never read a screenplay essentially until I got here, got some internships and then did the same thing, just completely dove headfirst into when I got into LA. Lived in a hostel for the first two weeks when I was out here, didn't know anybody. And then that led to me getting my first assistant job and this, and I never really thought about being a manager. I wanted to be a producer or this or behind the scenes and more creative. But then I ended up working for this um, talent manager who was actually also a total fucking cunt who taught me everything what I not to do about being, but also toughened me up, but also taught me about what not to do and not how not to treat people because the way that she was treating here, because someone taught her that's what, how she had to treat people, right? So I worked with a lot of people that taught me what not to do and what to, to do, right? So I did that. And the idea of being a manager was something I was resistant to because of like that felt very like 
uh, very kind of essentially like very especially with talent is like running McDonald's. Because you know with actors, like they don't know how to like drive a car or like, go to a place on time or this or whatever, or you know, they'll scream at you because their car that picked them up was black instead of white or this or whatever. Again, which is all just like to do with like insecurity and this and power and narcissism and this. So like, dealing with a lot of intense personalities. And I was like, okay, well, I realized very quickly that I'm kind of good at that, I guess, because I don't, I was homeschooled my whole life, so bullies don't affect me. And when someone bullies me, it actually makes me very calm because I, I realize I've already won. So I've been able to use that superpower to my advantage. <laughs> if someone tries to bully me or scream at me, I call their boss, boss to try to get them fired, which is unlike how most people operate, right? So I work from a place of strength and peace. But at the same time, also having knowing way more about film than anybody else. The thing that most shocked me the most when I first came out to Hollywood was, man, no one here actually likes movies. Like they just don't. They like the idea of working in show business, but they could be working at a bank or Wall Street or this, or their parents were in Hollywood. But like, there's very few people that actually have a truly profound love and care and interest in film. Which also makes it frustrating, but also made me very successful because I'm one, you know, diamond in the rough, essentially, someone who actually really cares about this. So as someone who had no experience in Hollywood, no nepotism, literally no nothing, I was able to work my way in simply because I was able to, through my passion and care about film and this art form, be able to find those few other people that also kind of cared about that really well. And especially dealing with writers and directors representing them, that's what actually they care about too, is having a fucking warrior that will fight for them and be a bully eater, but also will be deeply passionate and care about their art and fight for the quality of it, right? Because I don't have just a glancing understanding of it. I have a profound understanding of it because I've been studying it for over 20 years, like in a, in a religious way, like in a very, very, you know, I go to the Cannes Film Festival, through the Cannes Film Festival, there's very few Hollywood executives at Cannes Film Festival. I don't know why. They don't really like movies. <laughs> As I said, like, they just don't really like, they don't care, right? When you go to Sundance, people go to Sundance and say, oh, Lee, I want to leave early. It's so boring. I'm like, I'm here for 10 days because I want to watch all the films. So I think that's, that's kind of, so that's kind of gist of how I got here and why I think I've been able to find some success is that I have, you know, it, it truly, truly comes from a very place of like, I just love movies and they brought me so much happiness and contentment as teenagers that I hold on to that. And I want to share that with others and make sure that I'm holding that energy for other people. So that, that is that question. beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. So what have you produced movies? You've also managed the writers and the directors. Yeah. How talk a little bit about how the business aspect works. Cause if you're repping a writer or director, you're not getting yeah. paid till they get hired. You're not getting paid till the movies yeah. to the script um, sells. So how exactly. do you balance all of that? Um, well, this is a lot about how Hollywood works is you have a lot of people that don't really care about movies. They don't really care about television. don't really care about whether things something's good or not. They care about keeping their jobs and not rocking the boat and making things that are both um, fit inside their box, but something they've never seen before. Right. So a lot of it is kind of understanding how to do that and kind of give people the same thing that they've already had, but different. Right. So for example, like I wanted to produce It Follows. I wanted to produce Get Out. I want to produce because of what I thought about what was great about those projects, what ended up being true is that why they're great is not to say that they're truly unique, is that what they're actually really great at is that they take a very 
like a very like traditional structure, but completely blow it apart by putting something completely different inside of it, right? And that's why those movies were so successful and worked so well within the system, right? Even though those movies took were really difficult to get made. Because again, Hollywood wants the next get out, they want the next it follows, they want the next things, but they didn't want it when it was there. They all passed, right? So that's the kind of difficult thing with Hollywood is understanding not what they say what they want, but what they actually need. What they need, not what they want, right? They don't want those things, but you have to try to show them what they need, right? And explain to them that's what they need and why it's gonna work, right? So um, and that's a difficult balance. It's also very frustrating because just kind of working with this system where it has to still be marketable or this, but at the same time you're kind of working in a level, you're working with you're working with a kind of level of like kind of filmic intelligence that you know you can't the movies that can wouldn't work in Hollywood. Like they don't work. Like, you know, there's a there's a quality, there's like a quality cap, right? Or if it gets too good, they don't understand it. Right? So you have to work within this kind of medium, like, well, okay, what not, but also not what do people want, not what not what an audience will go and see, but what do the rich liberal people that run Hollywood think that dumb people in Ohio will like? Not that the people in Ohio are dumb, but they think that they're dumb. So they you have to kind of trick them, these rich liberal people into so you kind of have to play this weird Tetris game of trying to trick these people into thinking that this is what these people want. So in so much as say you have to be able to smart and trick dumb people into thinking that thing is something that's <laughs> and the dumb people are the people running Hollywood, not the people in Ohio. <laughs> Got it. That's it. I'm trying and to follow the, the matrix. Liberal run, the, liberal, the liberal people that the liberal people that are running Hollywood, quote unquote, wink wink, whatever. Uh, don't actually give a shit about poor people or black people or gay people or whatever. They care about making money. There you go. So you have to kind of, you have to play that game a little bit. So this thing's going to make so much money, but not because of the way that they think about it. Not how white people actually go and see, because what people actually want, they actually want unique, smart, interesting, compelling things. Right? Which is proven over and over again, because Get Out does well, It Up does well, Beef does well. All these shows that are transgressive and weird and shouldn't make any money do make money because people are starved actually for great content and hollywood doesn't actually really know how to make that because they're worried that i don't know they'll be judged too much or i don't know yeah, that's weird. so anyway that's the long and short of it so it's an alchemy that you kind of have to play right of like well, what is it that how do you kind of balance all these bits and pieces right how do you school my whole life digest a lot of information condense a lot of information and kind of figure out what that kind of alchemy looks like of where the balance is between creative 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 uniqueness but also kind of just giving them the same thing that they always want because they just want the same thing over and over right how do you as a business owner manage unpredictable cash flow um i'm not the one to ask that i'm fucking terrible with money <laughs> <laughs> i i literally i just i spend money and it comes in i spend it and then i spend more i'm gonna spend more money yolo i don't know how do you how do you attract the right clients and the right projects? Let's talk about that. Again, I think it's just obvious. Again, like I saw, I got the script. I thought I was like, I didn't have the strip of shit, but I knew that the, the the core movie in there was like, oh, this is a fucking scary movie, and this is cool. Like I get it. It's like, oh, I get it. This is a scary movie. Great idea. You can put your three seconds done. Like it just made sense. Right. But then my boss is gonna be like, oh, well, people don't want to see slasher movies because they aren't doing right all right now. I'm like, okay. Right again, like they're not, they're they're not, they're only thinking like this far ahead of themselves, right? They're not thinking. I'm thinking this is scary. This is cool. I'm just saying this is cool. This is scary. Like it's very primal, right? 
it doesn't, it's not like people like want to talk themselves out of things, right? Anything like, oh no, but that's not going to work because the market or this, and there hasn't been an example of a movie doing that well. I'm always looking for not what people are doing, but what aren't they doing? What isn't there? What, where is the gap, right? Where's the hole? Because that, if you fill that, that's actually where the audience is that you need to be hunting for. You can't, you don't want to be, you don't want to be competing with 10 other movies. You want to be one for one, right? You want to be the one movie comp competing for that one thing. So when you, when someone sees a trailer for a TV show or a movie, or whatever, like, oh my, I've never seen that before. That looks cool. Barbie, Oppenheimer, whatever. It's like, again, these movies aren't competing with any other movies. There's no other movies that are competing because they're, they're one for one, right? They're not. Like it's not, it's not, it's not rocket science why this movie's making money because they're not competing with any other movie, right? Right. You only, you want to be competing with yourself. You don't want to make. I don't. You don't want to make the best version of a basket. You want to invent a new basket kind of basket, right? Right. You invent. You know. Figure out what is what is the thing that people aren't doing. And that's about reinventing the wheel. It's just like, okay, well, no one's done a horror movie that's in a house, but it's about this kind of a thing, or it looks like this, or like you know, how do you? Or in this kind of a world, or what, like, but not just, I'm just gonna do another haunted house movie and do it better than the last one. It's like, no, the country exists. You're gonna fucking be done. Like, you're, you're not gonna out James Wan, James Wan. Don't try. Like, just don't, don't you pick your battles, right? And to pick what battle you're trying to fight. You can't, you have to try to fight a battle where even if a movie is just pretty good, what, why it will make money and find an audience is because it's not competing with anything else. So it'll stand out if you're on Netflix trying to find something and you look at, oh, what's this? That's weird. I don't know what that is. Right. In my experience, again, which is you can point to a million examples of it, is the things that actually break out, they're not competing with anything else. As you're kind of inventing a new kind of genre thing, you want other people to copy you afterwards, right? Because if you're already copying someone else, you've already lost. Because by the time you've written the screenplay, you're two years out, and then there's gonna be seven little copies that you're competing now with not just that original one, but seven time, seven ones that have come since then too. So you don't want to be the seventh version of something that already exists, you want to be the first version of something new. So your passion is obvious. What do you like best about what you're doing? <laughs> uh, what I like best about doing that I get to do whatever I want all day long and just to watch movies and have fun. And, you know, again, I, when I was 15 years old, I wanted to feel like I want to find a job where I get to just watch movies all day long and think about movies and think about art, think about reality and think about the, the human experience and emotions and characters and killers and villains and honor, honor and this and life lessons. And what am I trying to say with this? And how do you make the world a better place? Right, because movies are very powerful, you know, in that way, and that they can really, they can change hearts and minds. Right, I think that's what Hollywood doesn't understand is that it's not about just, you know, sure, it's about including more voices and this kind of things, but that's they're only really doing that because they're being forced to do it, not because they want, like, they, they don't want to. Right, I want to, and I've wanted to the entire time. Right, I again, I feel the same. Though. I remember putting, you know casting movies 10 years ago, you know, I'm making cast lists and like the agents would even say, listen, they would have, you know, Latino actors or black actresses. And I put those people on the list and I heard this a dozen times from people that are still working in Hollywood and still perfect with ours. Like, oh, well, we can't class cast that role as a black person because that'll make the movie about race. And I'd be like, oh, okay. So you don't have any black friends. Right. And that was my takeaway. Like, oh, cool. I mean, how about, no, I don't know. How about I just want the movie to be representative of like reality, not that it makes the movie about race, right? Because they couldn't think about it another way because they didn't know black people. <laughs> so like, okay, well that's their problem, not mine, right? It's like that's you know that. So they think there there's a little fight there of like, I want to make movies that 
represent an idea and encourage loving, caring behavior that it isn't, if it's, if you're forcing something, if you're essentially forcing someone to pretend they're not racist, then that kind of is, is problematic, I think, right? I'd rather them just be racist and admit it, and then we can just know who those people are, and we can just, okay, fine, we'll let them make the racist movies over there. Just let them do it. Like, it's okay. Good for you. Like, people can be able to express themselves however they want to express themselves, right? I don't want to make that kind of art, but if people want to, it's great for them. Whatever. Doesn't this, whereas, you know, let's just try to make the best things that actually moving, moving society and the world forward in the best way, right? So that's my, I don't know what the question was. That's all good. It, rant, right? like, yeah. rant accepted. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Let's make cool stuff. Just make cool stuff. Make cool stuff that has something to say. Like, have something to say, right? Actually have something to say, right? Like, actually have something to say. Whatever else we're doing, it's like, that's, again, a lot of my writers, every single screenplay, all the issues are always just like, well, not even that I care about the characters. Like, why, what, why, what is this, what does this film or this screenplay or this television show have to say? Like, what, what? You know, what, what, what am I supposed to be taking away as an audience, right? Like, what is it? Like, what, what am I supposed to learn, right? You know, and it shouldn't be like poor, I call it a lot of, like, Hollywood likes to make a lot of poor porn, which is, yeah, exactly. If a bunch of rich people that think that they make a movie about poor people, and like, oh my God, those poor people. It's like, then how hard their lives are in this. It's like, how about there's a lot of poor people that have wonderful, loving lives and there's nothing kind of like, what are those movies at, right? <laughs> Where are those movies at? Oh, see, it's like, it's not, it's never about just like capturing the human experience. It has to be about, you know, oh, well, I'm so glad I'm not them. That's okay. It's like, it's like, it's a weird, weird kind of psychological behavior that I don't understand, right? I just want to make things that are encourage and promote and are loving and, you know, you know, exactly. Like awesome. something like Little Miss Sunshine, where I said, well, why does it Little Miss Sunshine work? Because it's just a family of regular, normal people that have, want to go have a dream. Right, right, and they are—they aren't mad that their their financial situations are this, and their uncle is the kid. They're just like they're just messy people that have messy lives, just like everyone is, and they're just trying to make it better for everybody else. And then we made was really successful. Why? Because it captured the human experience. Right, it wasn't trying to like it was just saying every human should have a dream and it should be encouraged to. Right, and also fuck the system because you know what? She goes up there and she doesn't do the the dance and this correctly. It doesn't matter because they had fun. See how that is something powerful. And I think that like those are the kind of movies and kind of things that we should be do encouraging and doing more of. It's not just shouldn't be a lesson. Going to see a movie or watching a movie shouldn't be homework. Right. And then Hollywood like, well, I don't know why people don't watch my movie. I don't because it was fucking homework. It's like a lesson. It should like the best way to encourage. How about this? James Cameron is a badass. You know how he did? He's like, okay, you have all these other people caring about the oceans and their straws and this, blah, blah, blah. He's like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna make a movie that everyone on the planet's gonna see about how beautiful the ocean is and how Incredible whales are. There you go. How about that's more powerful about trying to help the oceans and the environment and all stuff without ever having to say once in the movie, save the oceans. Does that make sense? Like encouraging a type of behavior and embracing a kind of love of a thing from an emotional, deep core level and not, you know, um, sort of um, lecturing to people. Oh, you should think this way. It's like, look how beautiful the ocean is, guys. Look at it. Aren't whales cool? That's it. Like, very simple, kind of primal level. And like, that's the kind of play level of kind of art that I respond to. And I think it's actually the most effective if you actually want to use it as a form to actual change hearts and minds and make the world a better place.
Well, we know your time is incredibly <laughs> valuable. We greatly appreciate you spending some of it with us. Um, for our folks watching and listening who want to learn more about all things Lee, where is the best place for us to send them? Um, uh, you can go to my, uh, like my Twitter is like Lee, Lee Stoby or my website is LeeStoby.com, L-E-E-S-T-O-B-B-Y.com. Uh, it has links to all my stuff there. Awesome. This has been Seth Green for Sharkpreneur with Lee Stoby. Lee, thank you again cool. for joining us. Thank you. Thanks everybody thank you for so watching. Much, Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening. We will talk to you or see you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet, and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text Pitch to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text pitch to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. 49 faces looked to him in triumph. Over the last 12 months, they had each taken turns and promoted his business for a week at a time, driving over $987,342 in revenue. What if you had a network of 50 centers of influence who promoted your business every week for a year? Grab your copy of the number one Amazon best-selling book, The Ultimate Guide to Growing Your Business with a Podcast, at 33% off the Amazon price by going to ultimatepodcastbook.com. Again, that website for 33% off the Amazon price is ultimatepodcastbook.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.